Welcome to CC Debates. This is console gaming versus PC gaming. The debate will be divided into six segments, approximately 15 minutes each, on subtopics to be selected by the moderator and announced to the panel at least one month before the debate. The moderator will open each segment with a question, after which each debater will have two minutes to respond. Guests will then have an opportunity to respond to each other. The moderator will use the balance of the time in the segment for a deeper discussion of the subtopic. Secondary questions are drawn from answers presented with 30 to 60 seconds for response from each to fill in the remainder of the time for the segment. Our guests today are Duke from Retro Nonsense and on, on YouTube, and his Twitter is Duke0619. Duke will be fielding the console portion. And we have Pam, Jasila underscore on Twitter, and cannot be tamed on YouTube, and she runs podcast Media Mavens. And uh, Pam will be defending the PC gaming. Uh, I am Derek, D-E-G-E-1-3 on Twitter, and on YouTube, D-E-G-E-1-3, but I'm also on half of Two Dorks. And we have Player One of the Cartridge Club. His Twitter is Cartridge Bros, YouTube, Cartridge Bros, and he, of course, runs the Cartridge Club podcast along with his brother. Thank you, Duke, for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And Pam. Uh, thank you for having me. I am looking forward to this. We will be covering cost, performance, exclusives, controls and ergonomics, customization and use, and longevity. We will start off with cost, and Duke is talking first. So, Duke, question to you first is, factoring startup costs and long-term expenses, why is your gaming platform a better deal? Okay. Well, the initial costs of PC gaming are much higher than consoles. Uh, an Xbox One and PS4 are under $300 bundled with a controller and a game. And based on my research, the average cost of a mid-grade PC is around $650 and $1,000 or higher for a good one, um, say the one that you build yourself. And looking at it from a historical perspective, um, in 1995, a Super, Ninten Super Nintendo cost $199, and the average cost of a gaming PC was around $3,000. And going back even further, in the 1980s, PC gaming was pretty much non-existent unless you consider game, uh, computers like the Commodore 64, which was $600 compared to $300 for the NES Deluxe set. Long term, I'd argue that there are just as many used, cheap games available for consoles as there are for PC. And a console generation lasts longer, uh, between five and seven years, without upgrades. Can you keep a PC for that long without spending any money on upgrades? And finally, for consoles, there's a thriving and robust retro market. You can go to a retro store and buy an NES for $50 and have a 700-plus games library to buy from, many for under $5, enabling you to build a huge library of games for a fraction of the cost of a PC. No one is going to game exchanges, cons, or retro stores and buying old PCs to game on. In other words, consoles last longer, thus making their value higher. Just see by taking your Super Nintendo and a box full of games to your local retro store and see how much they'll give you in cash or store credit compared to your Dell Dimension or your Packard Bell Force 480 desktop. The only thing they may offer you is a strange look and a chuckle. Good. And Pam, your response to that same question, if you want me to read uh, it. No, I'm good. Uh Duke was on, I think I agree with Duke's figures, as far as startup costs, PCs are more expensive. Uh, with PCs, one of the things is that you have options. You can go out and spend 
thousands of dollars on a gaming PC if you like, but you can also get a more than adequate build for around six or seven hundred dollars. Um, as for upgrades, uh, this is something that can be done piecemeal as opposed to consoles. When a new console generation comes out, you have to buy a whole new machine and put in that, you know, three hundred dollars or so. Whereas with a computer, you can upgrade it as you see fit. And honestly, if you're okay with the performance and graphics of a console, then you can definitely live with things, something like a graphics card for at least five years. Uh, one of the other things about PCs is that you're not just getting a gaming system. Um, you're not gonna edit a video on a console or create a spreadsheet or do the online course you're taking. So while that initial cost is higher, you're also getting some more options and uh, things to do on it. Uh, in terms of the games, uh, I do find that game PC games fall in price faster. And with things like Steam sales and third-party key sellers and Humble Bundles, you can end up getting some very good games for very, very cheap. So I find that sort of in the long run, PCs become more and more worthwhile. Okay. And then, Duke, do you have any rebuttals or any responses or? Um, she, uh, all very good points. Um, I concede uh, most of them. Uh, as far as um, the PC doing more, uh, that is true. Uh, and that's why they cost more, because they're not just a gaming machine. But that comes at a cost, I think. The fact that your computer can do more sometimes can detract from your gaming experience. And I think we'll get into that more later. But um, when you have things running in the background or windows popping up when you're trying to play a game, it can um, detract from your gaming experiences as well as the, the actual design of the PC wasn't necessarily designed for playing games on. Um, so yes, you are, you are getting more, more bang for your buck, I guess, but um, it comes to me, it comes at a cost. Okay. Pam, any response to that or is previous one part? Um, I mean, there is a cost of PC because they are more customizable and they do more things. Um, there's also some other benefits, though. I mean, on a PC, you don't have to worry about anything like a lack of backwards compatibility or buying games for multiple systems. Um, also, consoles are sort of going the way that PCs are right now. So, you know, whereas maybe before you could just buy a PlayStation 1, now we've got, you know, the PS4, the PS4 Pro, we've got the Xbox One, the Xbox One S, the Xbox Scorpio. So uh, there is sort of a much steeper upgrade curve on consoles currently uh, that's sort of rivaling PCs. Follow-up question to Duke. Um, well, the consoles are cheaper at the start. When you do finally upgrade, uh, in most cases, do you not have the ability to play games from the previous system? You do not have the ability to play games from the previous system. Uh, does that compare? How does that compare to most PC games that can be played on on the newer system or the older, prior or before after the upgrade? Yeah, I would say that the the PC probably has more uh, flexibility when it comes to that. Um, I will, however, say that um, most consoles' uh, generations last, like I said, between five and seven years, I think, is the average. And uh, within that time frame, there, the library of games usually gets pretty immense. And I don't know many people that can play the entire library of a console generation 
within that generation's time. So even after that generation is over, there's still plenty of time to get new games for your old console. Um, and you can still experience, you know, getting new, newer games for your old console because there's, you know, sometimes uh, 800 games or 1,000 games for a console generation. So, yes, um, the PC has a probably longer, a larger library of games to pull from because it's not console-specific like, you know, you deal with with consoles. But I still think there's plenty of content to enjoy um, within one console generation that will actually extend in, in, in further in time. Moving on to the next subtopic, uh, performance. Pam, does the consistent performance does does consistent performance compete with the option to toggle settings? I think in PC, this is something where the two don't really have to compete with each other. Uh, PC sort of sweeps the performance category with much better resolution and frame rates and faster load times than current consoles. Um, even a lower-end computer with a decent graphics card is going to look better than console games. Uh, plus, it does have that customization option, too. Uh, you can customize your settings based on how good your PC is, so you can have those settings settings at the highest they can be, or you can put them a little lower if you've got a little bit of an older or a cheaper build. Um, and on PC, you can toggle a lot of options that are often not an option on console. Uh, one of the important things is field of view. If you're someone who ever gets motion sick playing first person games, uh, field of view is a big thing, and it's generally something you can always toggle on PC. Um, and not so much on console. And there are other other settings too that tend to be uh, be available on PC over console. Okay. And Duke. Well, uh, since consoles are mass produced and designed solely for gaming, uh, I believe you get a much smoother and more consistent experience. Um, no windows popping up during a game or virus protection running in the background and bogging down your frame rate. Uh, just have a worry-free and simplified experience that is fine-tuned specifically for gaming. I also don't need to check the game box to see if my video card or OS or RAM are appropriate for the game. I just need to make sure the game says Wii U on it, and I'm good to go. Also, for hardware issues, the support and availability of parts and customer service is more readily available and has a more customer-ready infrastructure than your PC does, uh, thus providing a more fluid support system for your performance reliability. Also, with console gaming, there's no need to worry yourself with endless options and settings to make the game run smooth. Do I need to reduce my graphics to smooth out the frame rate? Do I need to upgrade the drivers for my graphics card? No need to ask these questions with a console. Uh, just put the game in, and away you go, confident that the game will work, run just the way it's supposed to. And again, I mentioned this before with kind of the design thing, but with PCs, you know, gaming, I don't, I don't want to sound derogatory, but um, kind of like an afterthought. It's like someone said, hey, maybe we could play games on this thing too. And they uh, put in the ability to play games in between, you know, paying your bills and building spreadsheets and such. Okay. And Pam, any response to Duke? Yeah, I think in terms of putting the game in and away you go, that may have been true in 
previous generations, but now that most systems have an online component, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I know on PC you have to update drivers, you know, you have to update different things, but I uh, can't count the number of times I've put on my PS4 only to be told uh, it needs to update. And I can't do anything while it's updating. And it threatens me that I can't turn <laughs> off the system while it's updating. Uh, whereas at least on PC, I can do other things. Uh, and also the games are, I think it's same on PC or console where we just have to deal with updates to them as they come out. And Duke, any responses? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I... I think most people know I'm primarily a retro gamer. So I do admit that in preparing for this, my mind was constantly going back to, uh, you know, consoles like they used to be, like the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo 64 and consoles like that. And the lines are definitely being blurred these days. And I'm, I don't like that. I wish consoles were more like they used to be. And um, now they're kind of, you know, as we know, with the, with the Xbox and the PS4, uh, the lines are being blurred, as I said. And they're kind of uh, merging into one thing. It sounds like consoles are trying to be more like PCs right now. And um, I think for a while there in the past, um, PCs seem to be trying to be more like consoles. So it seems to be flipping and flopping back and forth. Okay. Uh, Follow-up question to Pam. Uh, how does a lack of developers testing every graphics card affect PC users, mainly for new games? Uh, that can have an effect, as we've seen on games like Arkham Knight, uh, that had a very terrible PC port. Uh, in general, though, especially for AAA releases, the testing is quite thorough in terms of uh, all the graphics card and all the different settings you can have for your computer. Uh, but I admit there is there can be issues there based on your particular setup. Uh, however, if a game is developed for PC or PC isn't just a, an afterthought port, uh, they tend to have good performance uh, no matter what your system. Okay. And Duke, follow up for you. Um, with console gaming limitations, is there any concern that game developers are forced to cut down on their vision for a game based on the hardware restrictions? Uh, quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that certainly, um, we saw it with like the Nintendo 64. Uh, the hardware compared to its um, competitors was somewhat limited at the time. And uh, you often got, you know, like Duke Nukem, for example, was a much better game on the PC, you have to admit. Uh, although I did play it on the N64 and I enjoyed that game back in the day. Um, but when I would see it on the PC, I'd be blown away with the graphics and how smooth the frame rate was and the controls were better. Um, so, yes, there are certainly um, advantages with having the freedom of developing for a PC uh, versus a console. Um, but again, uh, being a, a little bit more of a fan of consoles, um, I'm willing to take that, um, I guess, dip in quality sometimes for some of the other, other benefits that I enjoy of console gaming. Okay, our next subtopic. This time we are starting with Duke, and it is exclusives. Why have why does your chosen option win when it comes to exclusive games? You can't play Nintendo games on a PC. That's it. That, <laughs> that's a joke. Now, um, obviously there are exclusives for both, um, but I'd argue that the exclusive titles available on consoles, like the Halo games or Zelda games, 
have more of a mass appeal, allowing the games and the gamers alike to take part in more of a cultural or community-driven experience. Who can forget discussing, discussing found secrets in The Legend of Zelda on the playground or experiencing playing Halo 2 on Xbox Live for the first time? These are game culture phenomenons that you just don't experience with PC gaming. Now, I know, I know there are plenty of PC-exclusive games, but to me, they offer more of a niche community experience that can never, be, uh, never compare to discussing the fact that Samus is actually a girl on the school bus. Also, you can't use uh, the con console-specific peripherals on a PC. So no playing Duck Hunt at your desktop, or, and you won't be packing up the old PC to take to the assistant living home to play bowling with Grandma. These experiences are specific to consoles, and I argue that they provide a unique experience that can never be copied or replaced by PC gaming. And one more thing, an experience totally unique to console gaming, and one that is very special to a lot of people, like those with children, is a local multiplayer or couch co-op experience. I have endless fond memories of playing GoldenEye on the N64 with a room full of rowdy friends, or playing Smash Brothers on the Wii U with my kids until the wee hours of the morning. Pun intended. But these memorable experiences could never have been had with PC with my friends or kids lurking over my shoulder and yelling in my ear at a desk. And Pam? All right. PCs have a lot of exclusives. I'll admit it doesn't generally have the first party titles from Nintendo or Sony, but it does have uh, the big strategy and 4X games like Civilization or Crusader Kings, uh, city builders like SimCity or City Skylines, uh, all of, well, most of the popular esports titles, a lot of which are the most popular games in the world, like Dota, League of Legends, Counter Strike, and StarCraft, are only available on PC. And then if you want to get into the community stuff, most MMOs are PC exclusive as well, like World of Warcraft, Knights of the Old Republic, and Lotro. Um, also, if you're more into smaller games like interactive fiction or, uh, you know, games where the developers just don't have the money to put it on more platforms, uh, you can find games, a lot of them for very cheap or free on something like Itch.io. Uh, you can also use emulators on PC, and one thing which isn't game-specific, but a lot of games like the Elder Scrolls games or the Fallout games have huge mod communities where you can customize how you play the game, and generally that is a PC option only. Duke, a response? Um, yeah, again, we have to uh, both, I think, concede that there are exclusives for, for both, and um uh, some people gravitate towards the ones that Pam mentioned, and some people gravitate towards the ones that I did. Uh, personally, um, thinking back to my childhood, especially as I mentioned, I, I go, I tend to think that way. Um, you know, culturally, or, or, or you know, as far as community standpoint or, or viewpoint, um, being on the bus and, and bringing Nintendo games to school and trading them with your friends and and all that thing, nobody was doing that with PC games, uh, at least not in the 80s and 90s that I saw. So it was uh, really fun and exciting and unique to be part of that experience um, when it came to uh, talking about those console-specific uh, IPs and, and games. So I just, for me personally, I just really enjoy those first-party games um, and being part of discussing Zelda and Metroid and stuff like that. I, again, I keep thinking back to retro uh, stuff, so uh, I don't play a lot of modern games, I have to admit. Um, I, the only modern console I have is the Wii U. Um, and, and to me, that's just an extension of what I've already enjoyed from my past. So uh, same thing. I really enjoy the aspect of, of playing Mario Brothers games and um, stuff like that on the Wii U. And Pam? I don't think that 
sort of community or sharing aspect is exclusive to consoles. I mean, I've had a lot of games when I was in elementary school where a friend and I would sit side by side at the computer, uh, dungeon crawling through Wizardry 5 or playing the Quest for Glory games. Um, I also think, uh, and this is a bit of a different way of looking at it, but a lot of my friends, like my podcast co-host, I met through World of Warcraft, which is a PC-exclusive game. So I definitely think you can get that community element uh, with PC and not just console. Sure, sure. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I do admit that mm -hmm. um, sometimes when the um, community is more niche, sometimes the bonds can be more strong. You know, if you if you meet somebody that enjoys something that nobody else does but you two, uh, that can be quite a unique uh, bonding experience. So I do concede that point. Pam, you mentioned emulators. Um, what effect does input lag have on Twitch Reflex games of this gen of uh, retro gaming, retro console ge generation games? Uh, is there a solution for PC gamers who want to experience games from previous generations? I am not sure how much input lag actually comes into play. I, as yet, have not played a whole lot of emulated games. I just know that it is an option. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't have an answer for you, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and for our, our next subtopic is controls and ergonomics. Um, starting with Pam, the question is, which style of gaming offers the best user experience in terms of controls and ergonomics? Uh, here again, the PC's strength is the number of options you have. There's all kinds of different desk chairs and gaming chairs available for you. Um, but if you get tired of sitting at a desk, you can connect your PC right to your television or use something like a Steam Link or NVIDIA Shield in order to stream games directly to your TV. And then you can play sitting on your couch with a controller if that is uh better for you. You can also use a controller if you're just sitting at your PC, if you're tired of mouse and keyboard. Um, with regard to ergonomics, that's sort of up to the player. I mean, you can get the best gaming chair out there, or you can be more comfortable on your couch. But if you have poor posture and aren't taking breaks, then you can end up tired and sore after a gaming session uh, either way. But yeah, I think that the number of options you have on PC is what makes it stronger. Okay. And Duke? Okay. Um, I mentioned this before, but the console-specific peripherals, I think, are a part of the user experience that a PC uh, cannot really duplicate. Uh, for example, in order to closely mimic an arcade experience like Area 51 or Time Crisis, many consoles like the Sega Master System or the Nintendo Wii have incorporated light gun or motion controls to give the player that arcade experience that PCs typically can't offer. Now, many PC gamers will say that a mouse and keyboard are the quintessential way to play games, especially first-person shooters and games where you input text as part of the game, and I can't argue with that. Uh, there are certainly advantages with some games to having a mouse and keyboard, and uh, with modern PC gaming, an Xbox controller seems to work fine for most games. However, for me, there's something unique and special about grabbing that first-party controller for your favorite console, knowing it was specifically designed for that system in all of its games linking you directly to that game that you are hopefully losing yourself in. Hands clasped effortlessly, effortlessly, eyes glazed and locked on the screen, drawing you into the game without having to worry about hitting the wrong key and your mouse running off the pad into the puddle of water left by your glass of iced tea on the desk. 
distracting you from what you're there to do, and that's escape from this world into another. Good luck with that while you're shaking the water out of your mouse and trying to cancel the Windows update that you just inadvertently triggered. Okay, and Pam, response? Good luck playing console games with a dog <laughs> trying to slap the controller out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. I, um, I think especially with Xbox, which is sort of my console of choice, that uh, fact that the PC and Xbox are both by Microsoft does mean that being able to use that 360 or Xbox One controller is a pretty seamless experience as long as you're running uh, Windows. Okay. And Duke? Well, um, I'm not really honestly fully aware of, uh, you guys can help me with this, things like um, like you know uh, motion controls, they don't offer any of that on PCs, is that correct? That's completely console unique, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, there's, no, there's no light gun games for PCs, is that right? No, there's no light gun games. Right. So I mean, that, that, I think that's a big um, uh, perk for console. I know, I know the Wii was a, was a fad and was, um, you know, it had its time, and, and, and not many people are swinging around the living room. But that has a lot to be said for that. Um, that was a very unique experience. I think we probably all took part in it in some way, um, and that never would have uh, been there without console console gaming. So um, that's one, I think, strong example of the uniqueness that you can get um, out of a console experience that you can't get on a PC. I, some of the, my favorite arcade games are light gun games, so those are really, um, I think, a fun experience that you can't get on a PC. Even I was playing Duck Hunt the other day. That still holds up and still fun to play. And that light gun works surprisingly well after all this time. So those experiences you just can't have on a PC. And our other questions, starting with Pam, <clears throat> does the extra work and research required for, for gaming on a TV with a PC detract, detract from the experience? I guess it depends on how willing you are to put in a little extra work. I mean, if you have the space for it, you can literally just plug your computer into your television. Um, you know, something like a Steam Link or an NVIDIA Shield is a little bit more work and expense to set up. Uh, but again, it does just give you the option of using your PC in the traditional way or being able to stream onto your television so you can play on the couch. Duke, uh, have you found instances where you wish there was another input method for a game you're playing on a console, but that input method doesn't exist, or there is no such controller that does that? Um, not really. Not that I can think of. Um, I, I guess back in the day, uh, sometimes I would feel a little jealous of, uh, I guess, specifically simulator games, where you're simulating, for example, uh, being in a submarine or something. And you have the keyboard, which is like, you know, a control board. And that, you know, as your imagination comes into play, it was kind of neat to have all those buttons and to kind of feel like you're more in control. And playing some of the ports of, of the same game on like the Nintendo um, was a lesser experience. So I guess, yes, there are some instances where um, there are benefits to having the keyboard um, and the mouse and all those extra buttons for sure. Moving on to our next subtopic, customization and ease of use. Starting with Duke, question is, would you rather the system work one way out of the box until it dies or have the option to change it how you please? 
Yeah, this is, I think, more, one of the more subjective topics. Um, there are certainly some who prefer to customize and upgrade their gaming machine and constantly be on the cutting edge with the latest sound card or processing power um, and maybe even those cool neon lights glowing from the computer tower. I can respect and appreciate this. I've even seen some really awesome PCs that look and work beautifully. Uh, but personally, I don't want to be involved in the behind-the-scenes aspect of gaming too much. Uh, when I go to the theater, I just want to sit and be taken away. I want to consume the creator's art and lose myself in the world that they created for me. I have no interest in upgrading or adding to the movie. Uh, I accept the movie for what it is, the good and the bad. If there are quirks or anomalies in the film that some would argue are faults, I would say these are the film's character. Let us not forget the upgrades that were applied to the original Star Wars trilogy. Well, for me, it's the same with gaming. I want to be given an experience, and short of maybe some controller settings, I just want to jump in and take part of that experience without having to worry myself with whether or not it's running as good as it could be. And any hiccups that the console may have, so be it. The NES just wouldn't be the same without its primitive sound and its ghosting when there are too many enemies on the screen. These give the console its character, its charm, and its place in my memory and in history that in the end, what would have been considered faults or limitations back then turned out to be a source of adoration. In other words, I love my NES, warts and all. Okay. And Pam? I think with PCs, once you've done the initial setup or bought one that's pre-built for you, you don't have to do all that much if you don't want to, which sort of just brings in that general theme of you have a lot of options on PC. Uh, you know, there are updates to install fairly regularly, but as I mentioned before, that's the case with consoles as well. Um, and I think that you have a better chance of fixing or upgrading things yourself on PC. Um, if there's an issue, if there's this problem with a part, you can try to fix it or send it to someone to fix it. Whereas with a console, generally, if you try to do anything with it, you void the warranty. And in my experience with the newer consoles, if something breaks, I just have to send it in and be without my console until they fix it and get it back to me. Whereas with PC, you have the option to uh, do it yourself or find someone else to do it for you. So I, I understand the idea and the like of just wanting to be able to plug in something and play it, but I think it's it's not that clear of a difference with modern games, especially. I I can see that with retro games, it is uh, it is that easy that you just plug it in and play it, and you don't have to worry about anything. And Duke, your response? Yep, uh, all good points. Um, again, I just would reiterate what I said about consoles having more of, of a charm to them or a soul, so to speak, not to sound too cheesy, but um, I always look at PCs since they're so upgradable and so kind of disposable that they're just kind of empty inside, you know, and, and consoles have a design to them, a color scheme to them. Um, and especially going back to the older consoles, they have a, a character to them and you don't want problems with consoles. Uh, as I mentioned with the NES, you get ghosting and uh, some would argue that the sound is limited. But looking back, I think we'd all have to say that those things aren't really uh, faults. They're, they're part of its charm. So I don't know many people that are emotionally attached to their old PCs. And maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Pam, but do you have any PCs that you collect or that you're fond of uh, because they you know, have a certain nostalgia to them or you, know, you have good memories with that PC? It seems like most of them you upgrade and upgrade and upgrade until it's time to get rid of them. 
and you just get your new one, and it's just that shell of stuff inside. So that's just kind of how I see it. Um, I, I I could be wrong. No, I agree. I don't have any kind of any connection to any of the actual PCs. It's more what I did on the PC, right. and for the most part, I can have those experiences again on the modern PC that I would have had on one fifteen years ago. Sure. Okay, moving on to the questions, uh, Duke first. Uh, have you ever died from NES ghosting, and how did that make you feel? <laughs> I'm sure that I have. I'm sure that I have. <laughs> um, it was uh, a very, um, you know, it, it was certainly there, a problem. Um, but again, going back to it, um, I, I do believe that that's, I don't know if I'd want that fixed. If I could find uh, some emulator that would remove the ghosting, um, I don't know that I'd want to experience that. Um, it's just, it's part of what it was. And I just kind of take it for what it is. You know, some things are left, again, I go back to the Star Wars trilogy. It sounds, uh, I don't know if it's a good analogy or not, but that's what I go back to. He kept fixing those and fixing those and upgrading them. And he ruined them. Now, now they have no charm. The character, a lot of the character of those movies has been lost. You go back and watch the original theatrical releases and it's a breath of fresh air. It's like, ah, you know, this, this is the way it was supposed to be. So I kind of feel the same way a little bit with, with uh, consoles. I don't know if I want, if, if the NES was um, upgradable back then, um, would it be so memorable? Would it have the charm that it has now? I don't think it would. Okay. And Pam, um, for people who are unfamiliar with PC hardware and software, is there an option to send your PC away for repairs the same you can for a console for these? Uh, and is it cost prohibitive? Um, yeah, you can send your PC away depending on where you bought it. You could send it in or rather than uh, send it away for a while, you can take it into your local computer shop or something like a Best Buy and get it looked at there. Uh, as far as cost prohibitive, it could be depending on how big the problem is. But, uh, you know, you can probably figure out most things by doing a little Googling. And uh, follow up for Duke. <laughs> uh, you spoke about uh, the charm of the original Star Wars trilogy, and while there are many retro games with the same charm, um, there are others that were considered flops and failures. Would it not be beneficial to have a way to fix those instead of having them lost to time? I suppose so, uh, certainly. Um, but another way of looking at it is. Um, some of the bigger flops, like the broken games that came out, um, are almost comical. I mean, look at a game like Superman, Superman 64. I mean, that game is unplayable. Uh, and we got a great video from uh, the Anger Video Game Nerd, I think, for, from that. So, it, it, you know, that, that aspect of the uh, early gaming history, it's part of, you know, the, the, the um, industry was working all these bugs out and, and going back and looking at that. Um, is, is interesting and unique. And uh, so, yeah, I guess if there were games that you could have fixed and uh, enjoy the way they were supposed to be and, and the creator's mind uh, enjoyed, um, I guess there's something to be said for that, sure. But I also think it's neat to look back at some of the failures and see how they learn from them and leave them alone as part of history. Okay. And uh, Duke, you spoke of custom PCs not having soul. Do you think custom <laughs> motorcycles have soul? <laughs> Uh, sure. It depends on who's riding it, I guess. 
I, I was, again, I was not trying to be derogatory. I just, I just, I was exaggerating to try to get my point across at how much character I think uh, consoles have is in regards to their design and color scheme and stuff like that. And the fact that you can't keep on improving on them, the more you improve on something, some in my mind, it loses its character. That's, that was my point. <laughs> So moving on to uh, our next subtopic, which is longevity, uh, starting with Pam. The question is, which lasts longer in terms of generations and compatibility? Which lasts longer in terms of hardware, hardware reliability? A PC definitely lasts longer in terms of generation and compatibility. Uh, you don't need to buy a whole new system like you do with different generations of consoles, um, for the most part, unless you want to play games directly off the floppy disks. You don't need to own multiple computers in order to play what you want because so many of the older games have been uh, tweaked to run properly on new computers through DOSBox and then sold through things like Steam or GOG. Um, now you also don't need to worry about rebuying games for multiple systems as you do with console. I know one of the reasons that the PS4, uh, ended up remastering so many games, most people had a 360 during that generation. So a lot of those PS3 games like, um, The Last of Us and the first Tomb Raider weren't actually played on PS3, which is why they got remade again for PS4. Um, as far as hardware reliability goes, um, I sort of mentioned this before, but if you want to upgrade, you can do a piecemeal. You can just get a new uh, video card or some extra sticks of RAM. You don't need to buy a whole new machine. Um, and I think where this comes into play is that PC, just in terms of graphics and performance, just outdo consoles by so much that you don't even need to have the best things in order for it to look better than console games. So, um, and then also in terms of hardware reliability for consoles, you know, it, it might sound nice. Oh, you just buy this one console and you keep it for five to seven years until the next generation comes out. But you know, how many people had the red ring of death and went through multiple Xboxes? How many people had the original PS3 and had that loud fan and have the PS3 that overheated? Um, I know I've owned probably six Xbox 360s. So it's not always quite so simple as buy one, you're good for the generation. And do I think consoles outlast PCs um, by a large margin if you consider, again, primarily the retro stuff. I currently have an Atari 2600 uh, set up in my retro room that I've made no modifications or repairs to, and it plays just as good as it did in the 70s. I don't think many people are actively playing their ga uh, gaming PCs from the 70s. Now, as modern consoles age, there will certainly be some minor repairs that will be needed, such as capacitor replacement or optic lens replacements. But overall, history has proven that gaming consoles were built for the long haul. Even when considering console generations, which, are, again, we've mentioned a couple of times, are typically around five to seven years, the console remains playable for many, many years, even decades. As far as compatibility goes, uh, yes, modern consoles do offer backwards compatibility to some degree or another, typically going backwards one generation, which in most cases will, will about double the console's library of games. That means that you could have up to 1,500 games or more to play on a single console. I would venture to say that, that not many gamers would have the opportunity to play all those games in a single generation. 
making getting new games for your old console something that could go on for many years after its predecessor is out. A PC gamer may tout that its generation will last a bit longer before it needs to be replaced. That may be true to some extent, but usually with upgrades and a lot of work to make sure it's running optimally. And I think PC gamers would have to admit that for many reasons, PCs just get slower and underperform over time. You can defrag, clean up your disk space, and remove cookies to your heart's content. It'll just never work as smoothly as it did out of the box. I think that a PC that is five years old or older will probably not play a modern game on its highest settings without frame rate drops and glitches. Also, the collectability factor comes into play here. Most older consoles are, to many people, collectible and are sometimes sought after not only for their practical use, but also for their visual appeal and design. And although some PCs are collected, especially older Apple models, you don't see many people with a shelf full of PCs. They usually end up as landfill fodder. All this being said, I think it's clear that consoles outlast PCs in uh, most ways. Okay, Pam, your response? Um, I'm having a hard time relating to the uh, attachment to hardware. I don't have that. Uh, I have an attachment to what the hardware lets me do. So uh, in my particular case, I think PC lets me do what I need to do, whether it's a... Uh, you know, the PC I have now or one from 15 years ago doesn't really have too much of an impact on me. Um, there is even some upgrading you can do on consoles. I know I've had to buy external hard drives for consoles. Um, you know, if you are the kind of person who likes to buy everything when it's shiny and new, chances are they're going to come out with a new, uh, a new line that is improved in some way. So I just think in terms of hardware, there's more parallels than differences between PC and uh, console, just that PC lets you do more things and have more options. Duke, your response? It's uh, a good point. Um, as I mentioned, I think um, Pam may not have an attachment to the hardware because, you know, it was it's PC. They're, they look a lot the same. There's not a lot of character to them. So I do very much enjoy um, the the aspect of collecting uh, the hardware, the, the consoles themselves, and the controllers and the peripherals, um, because of you know, part, partly because of the nostalgia attached to them and partly because of their design. They're, they're toys. They're plasticky. They're colorful. And um, I think a lot of people like to to have things in their hands that they can – they're tangible. So um, – but that, that's personal preference. This is subjective. Not everybody cares about that. Um, some people just want to have a machine that plays the games, and I can appreciate that and, and understand that. Uh, but I, I do personally enjoy the the aspect of gaming – uh, which includes the hardware and the consoles and and the the magazines and the books and the toys and the the figurines and all the stuff that goes along with the gaming experience as a whole. Follow-up questions. So, Pam, you kind of already answered this, but um, you stated that without a question, PC hardware lasts longer. Um, so, what is your oldest PC in your house versus your oldest console right now? Well, my oldest PC is only a few years, and my oldest console is probably from the mid-'80s. But I don't really feel that's a fair question, as I can still play my games from the 80s on this PC, regardless of how old the components are. <clears throat> Duke, your uh, question for you. Uh, wouldn't it be simpler if you had a single console that allowed you to play all games you love back in the <laughs> back to the earliest generation, the way a modern PC is able to? Uh, simpler, yes. Not as fun though. So uh, again, as I mentioned, I I enjoy 
the aspect of collecting the different consoles and remembering having them as a kid um, and seeing their unique designs and functions. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, it, I can emulate. You can get a Retron and, and play multiple different systems on one. I don't have any interest in that. I don't like, I don't emulate much at all. I don't have any Retron consoles. Um, so I much prefer the original hardware and equipment um, for my gaming experience. Okay. And another follow-up uh, to Duke, with the advent of virtual console on Nintendo products, do you feel that the game companies are shifting to a more PC-like attitude uh, with regards to playing the old games? Um, in reference to what? What specific? Uh, what? With the software itself or with, with their... Uh, the companies... Are you talking about modern consoles like Xbox and yeah. PS4? Yep. Yeah, you... again, the lines are being, uh, being blurred here for sure. Um, they're doing a lot more digital games, and um, I, I don't like that. I don't like seeing that. I, I, like, I wish it would be um, a little more consistent with the way it was. I think, you know, these are business models that, it, you know, that was discussed on the last uh, debate, and I think the digital versus physical comes into play with this as well. Um, and that, that is certainly a trend that we're seeing. Um, but um, I guess being an old curmudgeon, I just wish it would go back to the old days. You pop a game in and you play it, and you you know you have a, a, a cartridge in, in a box and you put it on your shelf. That, that's just what I enjoy. Uh, I'm not saying there's no validity or there's no, um, a, no great experiences to be had with, with digital games or emulations or modern consoles or, or PCs. But, so that's just my personal preference. Okay. And Pam, do you remember your first computer and the games you played on it? I do. I don't remember what the computer was because uh, despite them being one of my preferred ways to play games, I don't actually care about the computer itself. Um, but yeah, I played Cross Country Canada, which is an educational game about trucking. <laughs> played some Qbert. <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> okay. Follow up to Duke. Uh, do you also collect any consoles that you didn't play as a child, and why? Um. Let me see here. Because you mm. said it was mostly nostalgia fueled for the hardware. Uh, that's a great question. I do not. Um, all the consoles that I have, and all the ones that I'm interested in ever having, are only ones that I played. Um, I don't have any interest in a Sega Saturn, or a, a Sega CD, or 32X because I never had, I never played them. So I have no interest in obtaining them at all. So my my collecting and my um, my drive is heavily based on my nostalgia for what I had as a kid. Uh, so yeah, I know I, I only collect consoles that I that I had as a kid, or that I played as a kid, I should say, because I never had a Sega Genesis, but I did play one, so I do have a Sega Genesis because it does invoke memories. Well, that's the end of our debate. <laughs> Thank you guys for being on. Uh, I think we answered some questions. We all kind of had our eyes opened a little bit here and there. And uh, we got to know you guys better. Yeah, could I say something in closing, if you don't mind? Sure. I just want to say that I, you know, just to be clear, I think both Sean might Pam edit I, it. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I just want to say that I think Pam and I will both agree that neither one of us are anti-PC or anti-console. Um, I do have a, an appreciation and admiration for PC gaming. I did PC game to some extent um, as a young adult, and I did enjoy it. 
And I, uh, in fact, as a kid, I was always very fascinated, but very intimidated by it because it seemed complicated to me. Uh, being coming from a, a you know, Atari Twenty Six Hundred and the earlier consoles, when I saw somebody playing a PC game, I was like, "Whoa, that's very complicated. You got you all these buttons, and how do you load that thing in the? And, and what buttons do you push?" So it was intimidation um, that maybe if I wouldn't have been so intimidated by, I would have um, been able to enjoy a little bit more. So. I do have uh, an appreciation and admiration for PC gaming as a whole, but I do believe that for me, uh, console gaming is just a more well-rounded uh, experience. That I just think is a little, uh, a little better. Pam, do you want to have any conclusion? It's very much dependent on what you're looking for out of gaming. They both have their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, depends what kind of games you like to play. Depends on, uh, you know, as we're talking, Duke has an attachment to some of his hardware and things, whereas I am just more about the games. Uh, you know, I love point-and-click adventure games, which are great on PC and terrible <laughs> on console, um, but there's also a lot of games that I would rather play on console than PC. So, you know, it's just going to depend on what your particular taste is. These these debates are so polite. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now, we can't fix that. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys both for being on, and feel free. Uh, Pam, uh, tell us where to find you. You can find me on Twitter at Josila underscore on YouTube, where my channel is Cannot Be Tamed, or you can find my podcast at mediamavens.simplecast.fm. Okay, and Duke, where can they find you? Yes, I'm on Twitter at Duke0619 and on YouTube, uh, Retro Nonsense. Okay, thank you guys for being on. And uh, everybody else who's listening... Feel free to go to the go to cartridgeclub.org, go to the forums, and check out the CC Debates forum and share your thoughts, share your feedback, tell us what you think.